Actually, recording is higher quality. Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> I saw like five flakes of snow fall. Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> hey, we have a light dusting over uh, here. Shut I'd show down you out schools. this window here, but you can no longer see out this window. It's all the way up above the window. <laughs> it's actually going on to the window, but I don't think I can get out there to pull it really? away. Yeah. But we're finally warmed up. It was like below 10 warmed up for two weeks. No, it's like 30 <laughs> outside. It, I was out in a sweatshirt like, oh my God, this is summer. Springtime's here. <laughs> <laughs> It's a difference what 50 degrees will mean. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy, right? I talked to Patrick from the boat trip, from the bear trip. The, uh, and he lives up in um, Tarkitna mm-hmm. in the winter, oh, yeah. just in a cabin. And he does a lot of backcountry snowmobiling and skiing and stuff. And he said, it's 17 degrees out. He's like, it's a tropical heat wave. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Definitely you feel it. <laughs> But <laughs> so that's been limiting me from doing a whole lot outside. Oh well. Well, there's just not a lot going on either, right? No. I mean, everything's kind of hunkered down. Very little. Yeah, I've taken advantage of just shooting some uh, crossbills in the front yard, and I've just been going back through old footage, trying not to buy Is stuff. That coyote still coming by the camera, though. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yesterday, I went and walked around and swapped batteries and cause I was waiting until everything warmed up. I knew everything was going to be dead when it was that cold. There wasn't even really worth it, but it's mostly at nighttime. So I don't know that I'm going to be able to get him during the day and it's, yeah. it'll use one trail and then the other trail it uses is a 10th of a mile away. So it's not very consistent or I'll see like tracks where it just walked 10 feet off of my trail and just kept, you know, doing its own thing. So, I don't know. But the logs and everything are completely covered. You can't even see the creek really anymore. So maybe once things start breaking up in spring, that log will get active again and can try and do the GoPro or set up a Cognosys to set up on it. I had a cat come through on my camera, but same thing. It was middle of the night, but it sat by this tree for an hour. Don't say cat. I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody's going to think it was like a little a house cat. House cat. <laughs> it was Maine Coon cat. <laughs> no, uh, a mountain lion, Puma. So this, it walks into the frame and it just sits down by the tree and just sat there. Really? It was uh, amazing. On camera? Awesome. On camera. Sweet. But really it's cool. on a reveal Tacticam at the beautiful 12 megapixel <laughs> grainy infrared green. Yeah. But did you get, is that your cell cam that's sending you pictures? Yeah. Okay. So it's at my parents' place, right? And so my mom, hi, mom. She listens to the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, so she, she's like, oh yeah, I set up a camera. So she put like one of those like blink or ring or nest or one of those oh, cameras yeah. up there. <laughs> it gets better footage than the darn trail cam. Yeah. I've been tempted it, to use one of our wireless cameras out back, but I can't get she, the Wi-Fi signal that far. <laughs> yeah. And so she set up just a mesh system, and so it, like, works. And yeah. so she calls me, and she's like, Brandon, there's a mountain lion on the camera. Are you getting it? So I'm, like, logging into the trail camera. And meanwhile, she sends me a three-minute clip of this cat or mountain lion. And I'm like, what uh, is going on? So, yeah, I mean, 
if you got it, just use the outdoor nest or <laughs> blink or ring cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Send me that footage and I'll put it in this podcast. Oh yeah, I'll do that now. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that is we'll really to, cool. Mama Day is we're gonna have to credit her because her footage is better than mine. We'll put them <laughs> up there. It's terrible. <laughs> Compare the two. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like with the trail cam, I don't even have the video because mm-hmm. you got to go get it. Yep. Because all they send you is the picture. <laughs> it's not gonna be great. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'll send that to you. I had to make a note. A note to send it to me? <laughs> Dude, I'm like... I don't know how you all... But I think being... I'm going to blame it on being a Coloradan, right? But I get like seasonal depression, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't think it helps. I sit in the basement work most of my day. And I have like this... It's a little itty-bitty thing right up here. And it's this light that's hitting right here. But it's like... I don't know. 12 by 24 window. And it feels like I'm in a jail cell, a self-inflicted jail cell, which is almost worse, right? Yeah. And I see the blue sky because it's looking up because I'm in the basement, right? So I'm like looking up and I see the blue sky. The clouds go by. Squirrel will run by the fence. (laughs) And I don't know. I just get depressed during the winter. So I, I have to go out and like get outside and just not be here in front of a screen <laughs> yeah. all the you're time you're talking to the wrong person about that though eric is the one that's like should be no yeah, well, i know and i don't <clears> get it really whining i know yeah this year for sure we're budgeting already to get out of state for next winter <laughs> have <laughs> you been watching up. though i mean i noticed here like it's the sun's not going down till after five yeah we're finally so getting it's changing that. rapidly yep it's up before it's up right at nine and down by five thirty, so it'll keep changing quick. Just another yeah. month or so, month yep. and a half. March and, and April is pretty yeah. darn good. Start getting excited again. Yep. Oh. Well, and I just looked because I hadn't checked it. The groundhog didn't see a shadow. No. <laughs> so we're having early spring. We have early spring. All right. I didn't check our marmots here. See what they said. <laughs> do they have fun names I don't too? Know. Like I Phil? Don't. Maybe we do, but I don't know. <laughs> there is one here in Denver too. I don't know is what there? they call it, but it's oh, a stuffed really? animal. It's up in Boulder, so you know you got to kind of oh. take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> up in the People's Republic of Boulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, flat iron freddy that's it mm. yep he what predicts early six more weeks of winter so i love talking with brandon because you talk about anything and he's like on it he's like he's got <laughs> the facts like boom oh i'm looking i'm cheating i have a flat iron iron <laughs> within minutes he's within seconds the biography of flat iron freddy I aspire <laughs> to be like jamie and uh joe rogan right yeah there you like go. He, he's fa- like they'll jamie talk about it it's just like boom up on the screen <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Like, well, let's talk about. So, how many times do you do you have a count of how many times your clip has been shown on uh, Joe Rogan? By the way, Michael. No, every time it shows, I get emails from people or text messages. <laughs> but no, I don't. Well, you're good. you have to tell everyone what it is because they don't know what it is. Well, I, I don't know. I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. But that, that bear picking up the traffic cone. I don't know if mm-hmm. Joe Rogan is 
infatuated by that. But he also gets Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Neil yeah, I think Tyson. so. And that guy loves that clip too. And those are both very popular people on the, yeah. <laughs> on the internet, and they both play it quite a bit. They're always. I would love to be able to tell the real story because nobody knows the real story. And I thought about telling the real story and then using it as a short on our YouTube channel because the real story is even cooler. There's not footage to collaborate or co, co- how do you say it? corroborate co- co- yeah that <laughs> there's not footage to do that um but i can tell for real it happened i saw on uh facebook marketplace one of those canon what is it like the xs1 that camera that the video camera oh that the xl1 <laughs> yeah someone has one for sale here in anchorage if you, how much is well, it they just put one dollar on it so i think they're just like give me an offer uh, let's I buy mean, it. I would buy it for five it. bucks or ten bucks if you could just put it on a shelf behind. Yeah, it, right? yeah. Well, but it'll fit EF lenses, right? Yeah, yeah. We should but buy it. But it's only and... shooting seven twenty p. I know, but we should go out and see. Like, just just <laughs> play with it. <laughs> I've got like hundreds of tapes because it's shot on that mini DV format. So I've yeah, got a bunch no. of those tapes. So if you want to go yeah, through that, you can. That. No, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I don't even know if the software digitizes. You have a roll of film there. That was the film that I exposed while you and I were talking. Out of the Minolta. What were we talking about? Uh, Mr. Moose Man. Oh, yeah. We should talk about that a little bit. We're working on a Moose Man documentary. And, um, you know, you learn a lot about Moose Man and Moose Woman. And they have... Uh, their history and Rick's history started with, and neither of you guys will remember this. Some of my age or older would remember, but there used to be a, a film format called the 110. And it was just like this little bitty cartridge that you would clip into a camera. And the camera was like maybe the size of two cigarette packs put end to end. And it was just a square little camera that you went click and then wound it and then click. And I don't know, the images are probably only smaller than 720 for sure. But. <laughs> you can still buy 110 film. Yeah. Can you? <laughs> by an Australian, uh, Austrian analog photography company, Lomo, Lomography. Hmm. Wow. Well, we were starting to do all this research and we're doing all this historical stuff with Mooseman to set the scene for the show or for this documentary. And he was talking about a Minolta camera. And Brandon has a Minolta camera on his shelf back there, and he gets up and he goes and grabs it, and he's like, "I don't even know how to open the damn thing up." And then he pop, he opens it up, and then there's a roll of film. And there's a roll of film. There. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh! <laughs> Whoops! Yeah. Oh well. So that's there's a couple treasures in there before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll go pay to have it. I guess I'll have to go to Inglewood Camera. They're probably the last shop here in Denver that'll do it. So, do what? Uh, develop it for me. I guess oh. Walgreens still might be able to, but probably I mean, not. Good question. I don't know. I'm sure they ship it all out. I don't know who does that. Or something, no. It says sure return to it. Sam's Club. That's what this says, but I don't know. This is Fuji Color Superior Extra. It's print film. Yeah. I still have two cases. We call them cases. Boxes of 20 uh, Provia in my refrigerator. <laughs> and I don't know when the last steel, the last film picture, or yeah, film picture I took was, but 
that was from then. And it's always been sitting in the fridge, so it's, I'm sure it's fine. How many years do you think it'll take for someone, if you just left it in there, how many years do you think it'd take before someone opened up that fridge, looked at it, and thought it was food and opened <laughs> it up trying to eat it? <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. You know what the biggest thing I miss about film? Uh, having to pick your shots? Nope. <laughs> the little containers that the film came in. Oh, and you yeah. could use them for everything. You could store thumbtacks yeah. in there. You could store I think I got into a talk in there. about could... with Moose Man about that, right? Because you guys said, I only remember them being in the black with the little gray lid. But he said that they had like the metal ones or something before. Yeah, before was... that, they were all metal. Seriously, I've got yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah. If you can yeah. go out to eBay and buy some, <laughs> I would. Because they're super cool. Yeah, and They say Kodak on them and they're like a the exact same size and then fuji had uh clear ones fuji's mm -hmm. uh the provia were all clear canisters so that was really good because then you knew what was in your canisters you didn't have to open them up <laughs> yep now so that's sell probably the all the value of my <laughs> cases of film in the fridge is just the clear canisters that are there yeah all right well welcome to episode 12 people we're cruising right along I had to go look because I couldn't remember what episode this was. But I'm glad you did. Yep, <laughs> episode 12. It's going to be a lackluster episode just because we don't have a good guest. or I don't think any of us have really been out too much. I mean, er, er, Brandon, you've been out with... Um, I've been out with the Bighorns. Yeah, and you, went out, you took your helium out to go play with that a little bit. Yeah, so there's that thing about how to become an expert right and in order to become an expert you need to spend 15 minutes a day practicing your craft for a year and you'll become an expert well i'm beginning my way to expert on manual focus on a red so i'm maybe like i don't know a week into that but i just get up and i go I've just been working on the birds out at the feeder and the trees mm -hmm. and just to practice manual focus, just because the red, for whatever reason, you can't change the peaking color in the red, or at least I haven't figured out how to change a peaking color in red. And so it's red and I cannot see it for whatever reason. Maybe I'm colorblind. And so I've been practicing that. I've cheated though, and I've put my Shinobi on the back, so I have this nice seven-inch monitor from Red, and then I have this little five-inch Shinobi. <laughs> so it's all good. And yeah. can you change the peaking color on that Shinobi? Yeah, well, on the like the cheat code that I found is I can turn peaking on, so you can you leave peaking on on the Red, and you leave it on the lowest setting, so it's like actually where it is because as you increase your peaking from like low to medium to high, it increases the focal area and then you got to really like observe where the deepest red is so i leave it on the lowest setting but then i turn peaking on in the shinobi and then it highlights the peaking in yellow for me the peaking on the shinobi highlights the focus peaking on the red and it's in yellow and it's like a total cheat code mm. for me <laughs> really i yeah. gotcha that's funny Huh, I wonder like, if you just can't see red with your... I mean, can you see red otherwise? With, I mean, I can see this. Well, yeah, I mean, but on a monitor. I guess that's the biggest problem, right? Because if that's the case, then you should never, ever, ever, ever color footage. 
Yeah, oh, can we? Yeah. Is there like a red colorblind <laughs> screen test? I don't know. Or I should go be. T- it's because my little brother is colorblind. Yeah, like, and I go to an optometrist every year, so you'd think they would figure that out. What happened to me was I could see really well. So I worked at a computer for twenty years, and and here I am still working at a computer, but. I paid for LASIK as I was getting out of this to try and increase my eyesight, right? But I could see really well, and I didn't have to wear glasses working on computers. Well, when I got LASIK, now I can't see crap up close, and so I have to do the old man thing where I, like, pull out a flashlight and, like, I'll take the the, the bisque, <laughs> and it's the worst, and I hate it, and I regret it. And so I think it's probably a product of that where I just can't yeah. see close. So I probably should go get glasses is what this means. But I had LASIKs, and you can see where that ended up with. I mean, I went probably 10 years mm-hmm. with decent vision, but I can't deal with. And then the scar healing, like I cannot fit a contact lens on my eye anymore. feels like it's got a hair in it, and it's torn the whole time. And after like 20 minutes, I'm ready to rip my eye out. Yeah, I've tried every brand and everything, and I would love to not have to wear glasses anymore because it's, you know, holding up binoculars and the camera and stuff. But yeah, could be my eyes got super sensitive to light and always have to have sunglasses and stuff from it too, but mm-hmm. it's tough. But yeah, I don't know about the I color thing. And everything yeah. was perfect. Yeah. Well, they told me after like blonde hair, blue eyes, male, it's like poor success, high issues with light sensitivity. Of course, that's after they I'm wait complaining till about all money? that. Yeah. Well, that's after I'm going back to them complaining about it all. They're like, oh yeah, that's typical. I'm a black-haired, brown-haired Mexican. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I didn't look at those stats. (laughs) That's just all they told me. Maybe it's just the same answer for everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. When I did it, I only did one eye, though, because I was too scared, and it seemed early Mm -hmm. on when LASIK was just coming out. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And mine was very, very slight, but it was back in the days with manual focus on dslrs and i just was never ever that happy nowadays i don't think i would have done it because now now that you have autofocus and these digital cameras that are just so spot on with focus i don't think i'd ever questioned it but back then you questioned it a lot and if you didn't have a sharp image it wasn't going to get sold so Mm -hmm. and then i just did the one eye thinking well if they screw it up at least i have a backup well and and they have like such good diopters anymore in the viewfinders that Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. So I don't know if it's a product. Well, I guess the audience can tell me. Is the footage yeah. that I've colored <laughs> missing? Oh, right? I was just kidding. I think what you do is fine. <laughs> I don't know. But but it's weird that you can't it's see that. I think maybe what you need so to weird. do is check into some, you know, they have the blue light glasses for looking at computer screens. Maybe you could find a set of glasses that work for seeing. You just can't really the color peaking. with them on. But I really think ultimately what you're doing, the practice, is the only way to do it. Because I can tell you, if I go out on a month-long shoot, that first week, I mean, it'll work and I'll get stuff that works. But the more you shoot, and if you're shooting every day, it just gets easier and easier and easier. And and I do wear glasses for reading up close. So you would think I'd wear them for focus on a monitor that's that close. But with peaking, I don't even use glasses just because I can tell just with peaking. And I'm not looking at focus anymore at all. I just look at the peaking. So you just get used to it. And then you start looking at you. And that's the other thing. With doing this Moose Man documentary, I've had a chance to look at a ton of footage that I shot this year. 
And it's still fresh enough in my mind where I can go back and say, oh, I remember that day. Mm-hmm. I remember that day. You look at the footage and you're like, wow, I did okay that day. You know, that I actually got quite a bit of the stuff is really decently in focus. The problem I run into is movement towards or away from the camera because you're just totally guesstimating um, the rate in which the animal is coming or going. And it's just a guess. I mean, it's hard to know. And every lens is different. The throw right. focus on every lens. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your Sigma lens too. The one for the EF mount. Does your lens focus pretty linear, like in terms of when you're adjusting it? Because on the Sony, the new one that they remade, if you turn really slow, it takes the focus super slow. But if you go kind of quick real fast, it'll jump way ahead. So yeah. like if an eagle's flying at you and you get anxious and you turn it super quick, it'll jump the focus like really close to you. But if you go real nice and slow, I mean, it's really nice once you're used to it, but that's where I've been struggling is like if I start to go too fast, it'll actually increase the speed at which it adjusts the focus. So it's, oh. it's nice it, when you're fine tuning it and you're like, oh, I just need to, you know, shooting a bird and just a tiny little yeah. touch. It doesn't. On the two to six hundred, that's why I couldn't use that lens anymore, because the half a micron, and you're like in front of the bird to behind the bird. But this thing, you can really just feather it in perfectly, and it just barely adjusts it, which is really nice. It must I don't know be if, focused by wire, then. I assume probably oh. the new like linear motors or something that they they can do. But and I think some of the new Sony lenses are kind of like that too. But that two to six is not, and it's impossible to manual focus with. That's yeah, why I always use the focus wheel because yeah. it was the only way I could really do a nice soft adjustment. But with the new lens, yeah, I don't, I don't bother the new Sigma 60 to 600. It's really nice once you get used to it, but hmm. I don't but know I've, about mine. I don't yeah. Know I've been watching some of the stuff that I've been shooting. Yeah. And I realizing I needed to, um, I was talking to Brandon, adjust some of the focus peaking. Cause I find like I'm using the peaking, like Michael said, or, or I guess it's focus assist, right? Where it's mm-hmm. sharpened more than the actual peaking with the cor- colored border and, um, trying to find the right amount of it to use. Cause it sharpens the area that it thinks is in focus. But again, it's kind of like the peaking where you can have it set too high and it gives you a little false sense of in focus and it's really not. So like shooting those, I was shooting some crossbills out front and you know, they're tiny little birds and I would have maybe the branch that was right next to them. I thought in focus or the bird and just be a tiny bit off, but then I'm shooting wide open and trying to make it look nice and artistic <laughs> which is so devastating because you're like it's hard you're looking at the monitor world, yeah. and you're like i got it this time and then you <laughs> yeah. pull it back up and you look on the big screen and you're like yeah i missed it again yeah. and it's so frustrating but that's where all that practice is so good burn it up on stuff that doesn't matter well and that's yeah. why i've been using the red because on the fx6 it's so easy to just be like mm, <laughs> out of focus <laughs> <laughs> yep and autofocus definitely has its place but i think more than not it doesn't i mean it's so hard with wildlife yeah unless you got a clear clean wide open area it's hard yep or you just throw it on a person right well i was gonna say even in like when it's a wide open thing you saw it in the the last loose ends from me there's that eagle sitting on the rock 
And as soon as that thing takes off, I was on the A1 and I was just doing, I just switched over oh, yeah, to video. Yeah. And as soon as that thing takes off, it focused on the mountains behind it yeah, like yeah. instantaneously. So mm-hmm. that's the big problem. You don't get that nice dreamy like mountainscape in the background. All of a sudden it comes slamming into focus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot I mean, of those adjustments. That? I noticed it. I was curious if that was intentional. Yeah. Or... Uh, totally intentional. I totally <laughs> was not Nailed the focus pool. <laughs> <laughs> you knew exactly. Had your marks all lined up, and you <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that speaking of marks, so the Canon yeah. is opposite of the Sony's. Oh boy, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, closer, and it's like further. Yeah, I, that gets me too. So. Talking about marks, I was watching Potato Jet. I don't know if you guys watch mm, him on YouTube, yep. but he's generally got some pretty good stuff with techie stuff, and I mean, he's just pretty well rounded, and he tells a yep. good um, tells a good story. It's really well edited, and it's not necessarily a story. A lot of times, mm-hmm. it's a review on something. Anyway, he was interviewing a Hollywood director that was shooting stuff on an iPhone mm-hmm. for it must have been for Apple, mm-hmm. but. Tilta makes an iPhone cage now, mm-hmm. and they teamed up with I think Blackmagic. Okay, and they use a Blackmagic app with the Tilta stuff, with the Tilta hardware, but it's got all the electronics built in. You know, so you have handles, so you can have a trigger, and then they make a wireless remote focus for the iPhone now. Really? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I don't know if it's like you know some of the corporate work we do brandon if like right. we're doing social media stuff i was thinking well hmm, maybe that's something know, to have man. because if you want to get a little bit more creative with your phone and be able to throw the focus in or out or highlight or rack or whatever it might be kind of cool i wonder if it and uses it just the, like cinematic video thing where i've not used anything like on reposition your or change the aperture after you shoot I've not done Maybe. any of that on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. But I, either. I think, but I haven't done a lot of corporate work. You know, all the, mm-hmm. all last year was all the wildlife stuff. So I wasn't really asked to be creative with a phone. I was always yeah. shooting the big cameras. But I think actually, Brandon, Brandon, and I are going to shoot a job coming up where it is a lot of social media stuff for for corporate. So mm-hmm. that might yeah. be a time might be to a try. Good way it. to utilize a phone for something. Yeah. Okay, so it's called the Chronos. It's been teased. So is it not out yet? It's just like pre, I think it's pre-order? That, yeah, YouTube sensationalized thing. And then it's called a... It's part of the Nano Nucleus, mm-hmm. but it's the Tilta Nucleus Nano 2, supposedly, is what it is. Hmm. But that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it has a space on the back where you can mount an SSD. Yeah, that's... I've seen now some uh, SSDs that are also battery banks MagSafe. <laughs> so there's definitely a market of being created around the idea of oh. shooting direct to media. So, you know, you could just slap a magneted hard drive and battery bank on the back, but you sacrifice storage once you start adding battery in there. And it just right. gets really right. big and heavy. But, yeah. Huh. I wonder. So I have a buddy that has a 3D printer, and we are working on getting a f- little prototype set for an SSD mm-hmm. on the backside, just one of these Samsung. Yeah. Little, yeah. 
That way I can slide it on the back of the laptop and it'll just sit there and then I can plug it in. And so mm. I bet with 3D printing, like it oh, would yeah. be that hard to just make no, an SSD holder for a phone anymore. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, the whole reason I brought up that focus, manual focus thing for the iPhone was they were talking to the guy that was running the focus. I mean, this is a big Hollywood director. He directed Top Gun. He directed, I mean, he's done all kinds. I don't remember. I don't mm-hmm. even know his name, but um, <laughs> if you go look at Potato Jet, you'll see it. But uh, they were talking to the guy that was controlling the focus, and he's like, he puts the marks on the focus wheels, you know, so that you yeah. just mm-hmm. go from this mark to this mark. He's like, that way I don't even have to pay attention. But you can do that in Hollywood, right? Because you know yeah. Yeah. the marks. With wildlife, you just, there's no way to know. <laughs> There is absolutely no way to know. So you just have to be really good with focus and you have to do it yourself because you just don't have anybody else running focus for you. So Claudio Miranda. Oh, there he is. Wouldn't have recognized it anyways. Yeah. It was Top Gun and well, who else? I mean, he did all kinds of movies. I, yeah, he has a whole. They were referencing. So Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Keep making it more powerful. I mean, he's just done a, a few things. Life of Pi. Oblivion, The Curious yeah. Case of Benjamin Button, Tomorrowland, Nyad, Failure to Launch. I mean, he's... So just yeah, a few like, little uh, art pieces. <laughs> right? Just kidding. Yeah. Right. A few little indie you films. You guys may have heard of them. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad that I don't keep track of all these names, but I just not that person. I, yeah. I admire the, the product, people and but... I admire what they do, but I'm just not the name recognition. We just can't keep yeah. track of them all. That's part yeah, of my that's problem. True. I have a hard enough time remembering to pick my kid up from school. <laughs> Brendan and I were talking on the phone this week about this Moose Man documentary, and he gets a call from his wife, and he's like, hello. And then I could hear, I could see the his face change, and <laughs> he gets off the call, and he's like, I got to go. And that's all. I was like, okay, see you later. So obviously whatever the call was was important, and then he calls me later, and he's like, oh, I, I forgot I had to pick up the kid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, the Kristen kids calls just, and she goes, uh, are you going to go pick up our son? Because she's in Atlanta. So I should mention that. She's oh, not yeah, here. That's even... <laughs> <laughs> and so it's one of those like, are you, what are you doing? Like, are you parenting? Are you? Yeah. Whoops. It's one of those deals where you pay a dollar a minute for every minute you're late, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm supposed to, but luckily I've made friends with all of the people down there that they just... Hi, Brandon. He's in the he's in the office. I was like, oh gosh, he's in his holding cell. It's like I'm sorry. Yeah, he's in. His... Gosh. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Um. Well, before we get off the Sigma to sixty to six hundred, we had a question on the the YouTube channel oh, yeah. that I thought may fit in here. So uh, Simon Ray had asked about whether or not the one hundred to four hundred or sixty to six hundred is better for video. And if it's worth upgrading. So maybe I don't have the 60 to 600. So maybe both of you can talk about that. Maybe contrast video primarily, but also if you're a hybrid shooter, if you shoot photos and video. For me, I, I've never used it for stills. So I don't yeah, know about stills, but for video, it's the poor man's, you know, CN 20, which is the 50 to 1000 Canon. So I don't know that there's any other range that you can get. And I wouldn't use it if it wasn't good. You know, it actually holds up. It actually does really well. It's not perfect and it's not like um, the the best lens out there. If I could have a CN20, if I could afford one, and if I wanted to carry it, 
I would definitely have one, but they're $80,000 and you got to have a special tripod. So you add another 15, $20,000 in the tripod and head. So by the time you do that, and then, then you're talking, I don't know, another, my pack would be another 25 pounds, probably at least yeah. that and cumbersome. It's not <clears throat> just like the weight. It's also like this tripod is freaking huge and you mm-hmm. can't strap it on your pack. So you got to try to wrangle <laughs> it over your shoulder and it's, it's just cumbersome. It's more of a situation where you have two people, an assistant and the camera person that's going out and then you can really do it legitimately if you got to go two or three or four or five miles. But all that being said, I don't want that. I don't want to deal with that. I do not want to carry it out five miles. So the 60 to 600 is the only thing out there that even comes close mm-hmm. in range, you know, and yeah. you're not, you're still not even close to, the thousand and then the cn20 also has the servo zoom right which is super cool and it's super fast or super slow whatever you want it'll do you know you can set the 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 rate at which it goes in and out but if you're trying to get on a subject really fast that's pretty cool with the sigma it's you know everything's done by hand but it's also a two thousand dollar lens <laughs> right so I mean, there is no comparison. If I only have to spend 2000 bucks compared to $80,000, but these are the deficiencies, you only get 600 and you only get manual zoom, I'll take it. And I think I do okay with it. So that doesn't explain the difference between a 100 to 400 and a 60 to 600, but I think the 60 to 600 is the way to go because if you're trying to tell a story, you want your wides, mediums, and tights. And that's going to get you more of what yeah, you're after. Yeah, you can do all that with one lens. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done any stills one. with mine, I don't think, since I've had it. But I guess the big thing for me is like the one to four would be like a five, six on the long end probably. And the 60 to 600, six, three. So it's not a huge difference. But I guess you could throw like a 2X on there and get, you know, a two to 800. But I don't, I ended up always needing wider than when I was using my two to 600. I like the two to six cause I could use a teleconverter. And that's one thing. The Sigma is not compatible with any teleconverter. So you'll be stuck at 60 to 600, but <clears throat> I used a 50 to 400, which is about the size of a one to 400. It's a Tamron 50 to 400. And, um, it's, I think about the same size as a one to four, which is really nice. I mean, it's, tiny comparatively speaking you know the size of like your filters and stuff would probably be nice and small so there'd be some compactness to it which would be cool but i i wouldn't see unless you're doing hybrid shooting with stills needing to have you know like a native glass one to four i just don't it's so limiting in the focal range that I think you're going to want to go wide and there's nothing worse than at least when like the FX6 trying to on rails switch lenses or do something different. I would end up having to go run to my bag and pull out another camera, you know, like a A7S III and just shoot a little bit of wide stuff if I needed it when I had my two to six on there mounted. But with that 60 to 600, I don't really ever need to do any of that. How Now, if you all go back and look at the, that first loose ends episode and Eric is actually shooting the 80 to 400 in that particular episode. When 50 we were filming to yeah. What is it? 80 to 400? 50. 50, 50 to, to 400. 
So did you like it? Do you like the look of that lens? Because you ended up getting the 60 to 600. Did you get the 60 to 600 because it's better? I like there was shots that I just, I, I think I just wanted the extra 200 reach, you know, like getting a nice tight shot, whether I would try and get a bird and need some more reach or like a detailed shot of, you know, like say a moose eating the leaves or something and just really getting in on the details. I think that's probably why I just well, ended I up wanting more reach, but the 50 to 400 was awesomely small package. So I, that's why I haven't gotten rid of it because it might end up being really useful down the road if I need to go really small, but I don't mind a little bit extra weight. And I kind of like the focusing on that Sigma better. I can't really remember. I guess I didn't manual focus on the lens body itself. I used the focus wheel probably when I was using that Tamron lens. So maybe I should revisit it, but I've kept it as kind of like a secondary um, lens attached to like the A1 that I could just kind of grab a lens real quick. And I could probably handhold video at up to say 200 millimeters and have something usable. But if I go any further than that, I can't. I bought it as a lens just for like a travel lens when I went on a trip somewhere where I thought I might see some wildlife, but also want to get some decent shots. And that was when I was shooting stills and I didn't really like that lens at all for stills. Just wasn't up to like with autofocus speed and just everything felt a little cheaper than the Sony lenses I had. But maybe it'd be a good a second option. I don't know. But See, and I, that would be my guess for the 50 to 100 to is useful. So that's the hard part. Yeah. If you could, if it was a 50 to 400, I think you would probably be really happy with it. But there's so many times we're at 200. I was like, I need, I need to go wider and even 100. I don't know that that would be enough wide enough unless everything's always far off, which maybe this is the case. Well, and the 60 to 600, I've, I've only seen one person out shooting that with stills and she was an AP photographer. So she was doing good stuff and she said she really liked it, but I've never had a reason to throw one on my camera just because I always have the Canon lenses that I feel like are going to be perform better with a Canon camera. So I don't even try it, but for video, there's no, no other choice out there at the moment. Yeah. I know it'd be great to have like a 28 to 1000, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to, I've got Just, plans in that back office back here. I'm working on one, but it's growing glass right now. Coke bottles. <laughs> Coke. <laughs> well, it's right. Okay. Lens. So going back to Moose Man, he, what was your first telephoto lens? Cause he brought up that he had a 400 uh, millimeter and it was $79. He said image <laughs> quality was terrible and everything. But what was your first one? He Michael? even said what the name was. I'm like, how do you remember what <laughs> the know. manufacturer's <laughs> name is? I knew what catalog uh, he ordered it in. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> My first lens was a Can or a Tamron 404. Oh. That was that was it. That was the that was the cheapest big glass that I could get that had some range. And I liked it a lot. It was really cool. Dang. The problem with it was, is it wasn't tightly built. No. And I couldn't afford a Pelican case back then. I couldn't afford anything back then. So what I did is I went to Home Depot and I bought a toolbox. <coughs> and 
and then line the toolbox and blankets. <laughs> and then I would set the lens in there with the body attached. And then so if I'm in the car, that's where it traveled. But I think the vibration got the better of it because it, over time, it got loose. So you could hold the lens and hold the, the camera body and the camera body would go like this. And there were some set screws on the inside that I would have to go in and set. But I'm like, Still yeah, I can go Sony in and tighten thing. these, but am I screwing up the focus? I mean, you would think yeah. that there's got to be some precision place that this thing has to be. <laughs> so once I realized that was a problem, then I, I kept saving my pennies and eventually got like a 300 to eight. Yeah. I think it was the next after that. Funny. But 404 is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's lighter, a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nikon had the really good... Nikon was the stuff back then. If you had the Nikon 304 or whatever those 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 lenses at that time, that was that was it. I mean, they're still doing some pretty cool stuff, honestly. Like, they dropped their 400 and they put a teleconverter in it instead of making you buy a separate one. That way it's tuned and, like... It, if you're spending twelve grand on a lens, it'd be great to have that because you, then you have two lenses yeah. at least. You can have a four hundred and a, I guess the five sixty on the the uh, Sony's. I don't know what a Nikon crap factor is. It's probably one five, so five sixty. Um, but yeah, it's like. That's know. why I will never, ever, ever until it's replaced get rid of my two hundred to four hundred Canon that has the one four built in. Yeah, that's the range one. that I have on that lens with the two to four with the one four, you can't beat it. You just for that, if you want to stay within that range, you don't need the wide. That lens is pretty awesome. The downside is, is it's very heavy compared to mm-hmm. today's lens technology. I think if they came out with a new version of that, it'd be way lighter. Yeah. Well, and the, then getting back to video, right? Then you're still using a photo lens for video. So you got to be like, just itty well and that's a problem like that 4028 that i have on the sony mm-hmm. you don't want a manual focus with it because it's yeah. it's super it fast you. which is great yeah. but like again you make like a little millimeter movement and it's mm-hmm. shifting so yeah that's interesting yeah Cut. that's where it'd definitely be worth renting a lot of these lenses to get those experiences but can't you go in on sony's and change that focus throw or can you not I thought at one point you Sony no. had the technology to go into the lens electronically and say, you know, from this point to this point, have it take this long as opposed to taking this long. But maybe uh, that's not the case. Well, on that lens, they have a power ring at the front that is a toggle. It toggles left, it toggles right. Hmm. And it's set up from the factory to go to Super 35 mode or, or crop mode, I guess, in hmm. uh, photography world. Which, by the way, have we all... Can we agree that video terms are just so much cooler and sexier than photo terms? <laughs> like photographers have APS-C. <laughs> video, you got Super 35. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I do like Super 35. Like yeah. in camera, you yeah. got um, presets. In video, you got lookup tables. <laughs> like it's just so much better. <laughs> if it looks sexy in, in the video yeah. world, it's cinematic. <laughs> it looks good in photo. It's art. Like it's just. <laughs> anyway. So maybe that's why you can charge more in the video yeah. world yeah. or Hollywood. Right. I guess I don't know. I was going. I was going somewhere with that, and I completely lost it with that. 
this is my life. It's just squirrels <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know about oh, the Sony lenses. Okay, so it has yeah. a toggle ring. And on that toggle ring, I just set mine up so that it's the focus. So if I turned it left, it would go one way. If I turned it right, it would go the other way. And that solves it. But I'm not using a 400 for video because yeah. you're stuck. It's only a 400. So Yeah. Oh, that all makes sense. And I'm not good enough to focus at 2.8. Let's be honest. Yeah. I don't no. think there's you really can do it effectively uh, consistently. Yeah. I think you can you can luck out a lot of times. And I think Hollywood does it all the time because they preset all these. Yeah, they pre-mark everything. Marks and everything, right. yeah. But with wildlife, it's very difficult. Yeah, but I think, I think you can do it. If you're running, especially if you're running slow-mo, you can get away with it sometimes because you right. will have a range where something does come into focus. Now, if you got everything happening with eye shine and all that stuff, hopefully it all comes together. But I got another one from, sorry, I have a few random things. I didn't even yeah, tell you guys ahead. about this. Well, this is the random podcast because we don't have <laughs> any structure. No. Okay, so... We have a subscriber. His name's Wild Bill. Hi, Wild Bill. <laughs> but he reached out after the last podcast, and he sent me this photo because we talked about Denali with James Freistack, right? And we talked about mm. the sourdough, boy, sourdough boys. He sends this picture to the, our Instagram. It's him on the side of Denali with this group, and it's with the Knowles group. And off in the distance, like it's just this beautiful picture, blue sky on one side, you got snow coming down on the the right side. You got this moody, dreamy, like typical Alaska, right? But the sun's kind of peeking through. And then you got these people climbing at uh, Denali. And then you see off in the little distance, his tents. <laughs> and so I, I got to talking to him. He spent five weeks up there. Oh, really? And so it's been cool to just hear some of the stories um, yeah. from some of our subscribers. It's just like <laughs> five weeks on Denali. He said he lost 20 pounds. Well, didn't you say too that he got Shiver. stuck in a snowstorm too, where they were like <laughs> for they were week. there for a week in a snowstorm? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, too that's cool. Wild. Really cool. Yeah. Can you imagine being on the side of a mountain for five weeks? Did he bring enough whiskey for that? <laughs> right. He said this was in 1993. Oh wow! Yeah, that's really cool. So that is really cool. So I'm enjoying <laughs> like keep sending those stories to us because yeah, I'm yeah. enjoying reading them. Yeah, it's inspiring. Tell me if you don't want me to talk about him on the podcast also. <laughs> Otherwise, because I'm a big, like, I got a big mouth, as you all probably are finding out. I'll just <laughs> chat my life away. Yeah. Um, and then I have another thing, that, but it's kind of deep. So I don't know if you guys want to get into that. Yeah. And I, you already went into it with me. And I think it's like, I was like, mm, I don't really want to get too deep. But then he started talking about it. And it's like, oh, this is really interesting. And it makes a lot of sense. So I, yeah, I like it. I want, I want to talk right. about it. And, Eric can't go anywhere because he's, he's stuck captive. in the snow. Yeah, you're stuck with me. <laughs> Sorry, I can't okay. hear you anymore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's like, "Well, see you later. It's been fun." Okay, so I've, I, I'm going through. We talked about like the. It's just boring right now. Like I've been spending time with the bighorns and stuff just to get out, but they're kind of boring, right? They're just eating. They'll cross a river sometimes, and I get excited about that. But for the most time, they're pretty boring. The birds are just eating like it's just kind of a boring time on the wildlife side and it's also a slow time on the commercial side so there's a few shots like headshots or different things like that but for the most part like 
I'm getting these jobs done same day or pretty soon after. And so I find my tell my, I find myself with myself a lot <laughs> and there's been some things that happen in my broader life that I think have me like my, my father died not too long ago. And I think I've been thinking about things more like all of a sudden I'm the oldest person. I'm the oldest male in the family. Right. And so like you start to think about things differently all of a sudden. And so I think there's a certain level of introspection that's happening with me right now. And so that's kind of why this is top of mind, but I couldn't sleep one night and I tried watching a movie and I just couldn't get engaged. And so I went to YouTube, right? And we all know I have my little seven-year-old, right? Dean. And so I'm always trying to figure out how to be, make his life better and his future better. And just, I don't know. It's just what fathers do for their kids, I think. But I got stuck on this one and it's this gentleman, he's standing, he's a motivational speaker and he's standing up on the stage and he has this big screen behind him and there's just this grid and it's all these little dots and he starts talking and he goes behind me is a screen that shows 90 years that are lived by month and you see all these little dots and all of a sudden you start to realize well there's not that many dots up there i mean there's a lot but it's i mean it fits on one screen right and you can see every dot and he continues on and he goes it gets worse and he goes, this is at 90 years old, which he's given some, I looked up the average U.S. Uh, lifespan. It's not 90 years old, but let's assume that. And he starts reading off some of these numbers. And so a third of that time is going to be spent sleeping. So immediately he wipes off a third of those dots. Then he goes on to say 126 months goes to school in your career. So he wipes off another 126 months. Then he goes, another 18 months is going to be spent driving. And this is all on average, right? So like on average, 18 months is going to be spent driving. 36 months is going to be cooking and cleaning. Another 36 months for chores, which... See, mom, I'm doing chores. <laughs> and then you got another 27 months that's spent on the bathroom or on personal hygiene. 27 months of that. Of your life. Of your, the 90 years. Right. And so what you're left with is 334 months to do with what you want. And I got to thinking about that. I'm like, it just hit me. And I'm like, 334 months to do what I want. And I'm, already, I'm, a, I'm a 38-year-old man right now, which I'm still young, but I'm not an 18-year-old anymore, right? And so I was like, well, 334 months is like terrifying. And so then he continued on and it was about children. So like just to finish that whole talk off from him. He says that the average 18 year old is, but is set to spend 93% of that remaining 334 months in front of a screen. And so that was just huge for me as like a parent. I was like, Holy cow, he's going to have mm-hmm. a lot of time in front of a screen. Right. So how do I get him away from that? And so that was an impactful moment, but it got me thinking about what are, what am I doing for my 334 months that I have to live and to do things? I don't want to be in a basement staring out a window. And I've always thought that way, right? Which is why I quit corporate work and I turned into a freelancer to spend more time and have a quality of life instead of chasing the money. But I think it's so, um, 
interesting, I guess, to think it in that short little lifespan. Because we're not dinosaurs. We're not going to be here for millions of years, right? So that's my deep thought for the day, the week. Well, it kind of totally speaks right into what all three of us have done. And I did it way before you guys, right? But you both have made that jump in that decision that, you know what? Being investor relations for some company here in Denver for Brandon and then Eric, you being a pharmacist, it's like, you know what? While that's a noble profession and while you can make some money and you can live a decent life. And if you are the couch potato type, great. Right. That's fine. Right. But if you're not, is it worth it? Is that trade-off worth it? You know, can I, can I lower my means and actually do some cool stuff that I, you know, that we collectively were more right. nature oriented outside people. Can I adjust that and be able to do more of what I want to do? And I think that's what it speaks to. Right. Is you just got to look at it and say, but the, the reason to look at it that way is it puts it into perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. For me, what happened is when I turned 50, mm -hmm. that, that thought process. And I was telling you the other day, it wasn't until I turned 50. I was 49 and 364 days old, and I didn't think about it ever. And for some reason, huh. that day, I'm like, that day I turned 50, I can remember. I was like, man, this is like half over. And that's half over if I'm going to be 100, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And it just puts it in perspective. And, I'm, and at that point, too, I was thinking to myself, it's like, I'm so glad that I took a chance. I'm so glad that I you know, bet on myself. And now granted it was hard work and there was a lot of lean months in there and there still can be, right. but it's still way better than sitting doing this normal job, whatever that was back then driving, you know, spending all that time in traffic doing all the stuff. I mean, Eric, you, you could, you and Christy could potentially just live in a van. Yeah. Which yeah. Which just I've lowers had, all your costs and does, you know, I mean, gives you all the freedom. Lots of discussions about those, those things. And those thoughts have obviously stirred around in my mind for quite a while. <clears throat> you know, I don't, Christy and I've gone through a lot of stuff in our personal lives with illnesses and parents, losing a parent and everything. And, you know, that probably started a lot of those stirring thoughts in my mind of like, what are we doing here? And, you know, I was thinking about different things. I, I've been writing and kind of journaling some of these thoughts, and I've thought about maybe trying to intertwine them into some, like, with nature footage, some of my thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings on stuff. I just haven't figured out. I haven't flushed all the ideas out fully, but, yeah, when I was down in um, Haynes with the Eagles, you know, I listened to Walden by Thoreau and just kind of talking about mm -hmm. simple life and what do you actually need and I think the biggest thing that inspired me to, to stop working, you know, we, Christy and I traveled a lot. We both had good jobs, you know, we're doctors of pharmacy. So we've worked in a lot of different positions in pharmacy and we're successful at that, but we would always have, you know, kind of a stupid travel budget. You know, we would put money towards travel and we've been to, you know, four countries in Africa and New Zealand and Thailand and a bunch of places. And, we went down to um, Brazil to see the Jaguars in the Pantanal and 
one day wait we were pulling in to the dock and the boat next to us they were setting up a tripod and gimbal camera system and it just that in that moment it hit me of like i'm paying like 10 or fifteen thousand dollars to be on this boat and they're gonna be paid ten to fifteen thousand dollars to be sitting on that boat and i'm putting in longer days and hours and so there, I guess maybe those big revelations to me were like those people, maybe they're special people. I don't know who they were. I had talked, tried to talk to them and they weren't super talkative, but they weren't anyone special. So I can be whatever the hell I wanted to be. And for all of my childhood, that never really like connected to me. You always hear pursue your dreams, go after what you want to do. But that for some reason connect like that one moment, you know, that it kind of like created the link to help um and so that's kind of what led me to start pursuing how to get out of working like a regular nine to five job and just because of that much time i'm like so i'm gonna go work four months to have an excess amount of money to go spend over two weeks and at the end of those two weeks i'm gonna be immediately back in a position that i dislike and i just felt like i kept living this cycle that on social media looked amazing. We're traveling all over the world. We're seeing all these cool things. You know, we can go to nice places and do things. And, you know, I love my van, but that's a big expense. You know, that was something that we had to save up for for years. And, and now I'm, I barely have to go into work, but my time is so much more valuable. And when I do go into work, I just, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I have to be there to make a little bit to cover are obviously our living expenses, but I just can't, I don't know. I, I think I'm, yeah, I guess I <laughs> lost in my thoughts of all the things to talk about with it, but it is a real challenge or I guess the identity thing of like, where do I fit in? Cause I kind of just was operating on society's program. And then you're like, well, I can kind of do whatever I want. I'm a <laughs> adult and <laughs> How do you find like <laughs> the adulting? What's your, yeah. What's your truest enjoyment or where do you really go? And I kind of got that too. I started thinking, well, even I love the wildlife photography and the, you know, like, you know, get these beautiful beauty shots, but I'm like, there's something missing there even. And then like Brandon and I have talked a little bit about like, well, maybe, maybe we want to tell the stories of the people enjoying it more so than the animals. Like I like being out there in nature and I like the camaraderie, but maybe that's like, maybe it's more, capturing that shared joy of the human part of it more so than getting the beautiful animal shots where those were always trophies, you know, to hang on your social media page or something, but trying to kind of boil down in essence, what is it that I absolutely enjoy or get the most out of it all. So that's still something that I'm thinking about all the time, trying to, to break down what it is. And I don't know that I have the answer for it yet, but It'll probably be well, a future video because <laughs> yeah. I think you just get to a certain point where you realize there's always more to want, I think mm -hmm. is where that goes. Right. Yeah. Like when you, when you're in high school, like money is a ideology of sorts because more is better. Right. And so it's like, yeah. I need to make the most. And once I make the most, then I'll be the best and I'll have everything that I want. Mm -hmm. But then you start to realize, well, money just is, what is it? Um, you start to realize that money 
well, important in this world, right? Because we all need it mm-hmm. to live and survive and everything like that. You can always get more. You can always, and that's great. Like I have some friends that that is their motivation. Mm-hmm. Like go get it because yeah. the world, like, yeah, the world's your oyster. Go get it. But for me, I just started to realize that like, hmm, all right, I, I've, got to that point and it was just i wanted more all the time yeah yeah and i didn't even really want it like it was almost like a almost like an addiction right where you're like mm-hmm. i need the next thing yeah yeah that's what i see yeah because i and so i, well, I don't know go ahead sorry <laughs> oh no you're fine i was just, i was it's thinking just an interesting perspective like you said though is the saying of always you know you can trade your time for money but you can't trade money to get your time back and that's what really hit me too was like right is that money something that i need or is it because i think i need it or could i refigure that out a little differently right and not and then now that i have the time driving to work at 8 30 in the morning eight nine in traffic and anchorage is not traffic (laughs) at all but there is 20 times more cars on the road (laughs) at that time and i'm just like oh I feel like I was just on some programming and, and it just started to feel like, I I don't think this is me anymore sort of thing. Right. Well, and it gets that point where you, you wake up to the same alarm clock that you've woken up to, or you get to a point where I was, where you don't even set an alarm clock because you just wake up at the same time every morning, Mm. Friday, Monday, Friday evening, you're going to bed at nine o'clock, nine 30. Right. It's just a habit, but you wake up, drink the same coffee out of the <laughs> same cup, you eat the same breakfast, or maybe you don't eat breakfast. You get in the same car, you drive the same road, and sometimes you'll get to work and you're like, I don't remember driving driving here, right? Because you're in such <laughs> yeah. days, and you sat in traffic and you navigated everything, and then you look out the same window or the same cubicle wall, you eat the same lunch, or a similar lunch, right? You go home, you sit in the same chair you did the night before. And like, there's a certain amount of all of the stuff that you're going to have to do, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we all enjoy our homes. I like being home with my family, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I don't know, my days just weren't different, right? And I had a different yeah. problem every day. There was always the, the fire drill for the day at work. It was just a, I don't know, it kind of broke me. It was a Groundhog's Day, yeah, and I was yeah. just like, why am I living to work Yeah. versus working to live, right? And so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was my... I think uh, the big uh, answer to all, not the answer, but one of the big things to think about is, you know, you talk about all this monotony, mm-hmm. but that's like forced monotony, right? Because you hate your job. Right. If you, if you give, if I give anybody any advice at all, it's like you figure out what your passion is and try to make a living at it. Yep. Cause you, what, I don't remember which one of you said it, but you have to work. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah. nobody's just going to hand you the money that it takes to <laughs> right. live your life. Right. So you have to, at some point, make something and figure out at what level do you want to live? Do you want right. to live in a van and try to keep it pretty minimal? Totally doable. Do you want to have a house and have like a home base? You know, it all requires that money. But for me, and I've been doing it now for at least since 2000. Um, and I 
figured it out. I don't know. This is kind of a rabbit hole off there, but when I graduated college, there was nobody saying, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody was saying, you go get a freaking job. <laughs> you stay in that job until you retire. And then hopefully you put up enough money or your job provided the retirement that you need to live out the rest of your life. And that was the mindset back then. Right. Mm-hmm. And it still is to some degree for certain people. But I remember, and I've told this story on the Wild and Exposed podcast, so if anybody's listened to that, you've probably heard this. But if you haven't, I remember my revelation was I was working for the National Park Service. And I knew I wanted to work outside because that was one route that kind of got me a little happiness as far as my job goes. But it's still a job, right? Right. But I was working at Mesa Verde National Park, and I was just a biologist, Actually, I was the low man on the totem pole. I did whatever. I worked in the entrance station. I worked in the fire tower. I worked at wherever I had to work, wherever they told me to work, I worked. But they, one day this wildlife photographer came in and he'd got a permit to shoot in Rocky or in Mesa Verde National Park in the backcountry, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do That's cool. because it's all archaeological resources. So they mm-hmm. just don't let anybody go willy nilly out in the backcountry. But since I was a ranger, I had the keys to the gates and I was low man on the totem pole. They're like, Hey, you need to go with this guy and just be there as a chaperone from the park service point of view and then open the gates. And that was the first time I ever got to see that, Hey, there's this thing where you can go out and take pictures of animals and sell them and actually make a living up to that point. There was no, I had no clue, which is kind of funny because I did see, I remember cutting pictures out of magazines when I was a kid and put them up on my wall, you know, whether it was a deer or a bear or whatever. And so I admired it, but I never thought that I could do it. Mm. And nobody ever said you could do that. And nobody yeah. ever told me, Hey, try that. I can remember sitting in my college graduation and looking around and seeing these cameras that people were running. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know the school had that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was just so much that I didn't know, right. mm-hmm. but I think today's world, there's so much that, is known or at least shared. And yeah. I think bottom line is, is find that one thing that you really want to do and just make it work. Right. And yeah, it's going to be really hard. Like today's world right now in 2024, January, if you want to be a wildlife cinematographer and make money at it, it is tough out there right now. And it's across the board. I don't care if you're the top of the top or, middle or whatever, everybody's having a hard time finding work. It will come back, but you got to have something else to fall back on right now. So I'm not saying it's easy, but if you can figure out what it is that you want to do, it's like what you said, Brandon, you would drink the same coffee, drive the same road, sit in the same chair. My life isn't that. Every day my life's different. And I work every day from when I wake up to when I go to bed. But I love it. So it's not like work, right? And if many days go by and I don't make a dang dime, I love it. And now I know I still need to make that dime, so I'll figure it out. But it's not like work, I guess, is ultimately that's it. What I'm doing doesn't feel like work. It feels like my life. Yeah. Well, and I'm not advocating that everyone should go out and quit their job and go do what they love. That's not what I'm advocating for. Um, My advocation was more just... Just 
pause and just look at your life or maybe don't and just maybe you're happy like if you're <laughs> yes. happy just keep doing what you're doing like you've got to figure it out if you're happy like just <laughs> keep going and say shut up brandon and just keep going because happiness is everything right now but like pause if you're not in that boat right like just pause and just think about that like i got 334 months left like what do i want to be doing right and don't go out and quit your job like don't do it like no but just think just think that's all i'm wanting you to do and i'm yeah. like yeah so yeah don't No, i think it puts it in perspective and that's all right. you're doing is put it in perspective yeah. and i agree i'm not advocating that either right but if you do have those thoughts right which you two did right mm -hmm. and i <clears> did <throat> 25 years ago right do it give it a shot you can always go flip a burger eric can pick up temporary days as a yeah, pharmacist to... <laughs> and do okay right yeah so you're never going to make, you're not going to put away hundreds of thousands of dollars in a retirement account, but so right. what you guys are both young, you can still make it up. At least give yourself the shot right. is all I'm saying. If you want right. to do it, give it a shot, but be responsible right. about it. Yeah. And you're going to have to work, work hard. Like it's just, you, you definitely have, have to have or, the mindset, right? Like you're going to probably be flipping burgers or you're going to be doing something on the other side that you're not really happy about and that's why like you got to balance it right life's all about balance because if you can go do something that you love and balance it with something else that's probably worth it i don't know but for me i was just too much on the other side and that was my big thing like i just i literally went from point a to point b and never yeah Changed. You <clears throat> both did that. Eric did it through having his travel budget. They mm, could afford right. to put it, you know, and I don't want to speak for you, Eric, but you yeah, already yeah. said it. You guys put that money away and you would get your enjoyment out of those two or three or four weeks you traveled every year and you got to see some really cool stuff, mm -hmm. but you, then you went back to misery. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, what's the middle ground here? Or what's the better than middle ground if you can make it? But yeah. it is all predicated on super hard work, no matter what you choose to do. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say, find something you love to do because it's super yeah, hard. Yeah. And that finding something you love to do is not something that just sounds fun. It's like you're sitting on the couch and you're like, I'm not going to turn on the TV because I want to go bake or craft or draw or something. Like it's what you're doing on your free time and then figure out what in that realm, you know, maybe you like to draw, maybe you could do graphics and start designing logos for people and then who knows what it'll build to. But I know so many people that I worked with that they're so caught up in the fact that every day at five, they go get their kids from school, then they have dinner, then they have homework and they have this. And I'll ask like, oh, did you have you caught any cool shows or movies lately? Like, oh, I don't have time for that. And I get it that you kind of have to operate on the schedule to get everything done through the day. But also like, could you maybe just throw the laundry in tomorrow and sit down and have a few minutes for yourself. I don't know. I don't have kids. Maybe disrupt the system, Eric. But then disrupts I'm like, the ah. system. Do but not disrupt just, the system. Yeah. <laughs> Every day is just, where's that variety? There's nothing better than a day when I've traveled that I've learned, like when you do a ton of stuff all day long, by the end of the day, you're like, was that this morning or was that like yes. a day or two ago? And those days are like, holy cow. Wow. That was that was a good day or a fulfilling day. Usually you should have children. Every day is like that. Yeah. <laughs> he came into my room at four o'clock, yeah. whispered in my ear, 
Dad, there's a monster under my bed. <laughs> to which I rolled over and said, there's yeah. no such thing as monsters, Dean. And he goes, sometimes you are. <laughs> and I was like, get out of this. So, yeah, have a kid. It's great. Yeah. Fun story. It keeps you entertained. And um, off I your do, rhythm. <laughs> right. Okay. I have something to like lighten this up. All right. We're going we're gonna to play a little game. Three things. Okay. Okay. Three things in Alaska that are illegal that you probably don't know of. The first one is that it is illegal to whisper in someone's ear while they are blank hunting. So there's an animal and you got to fill it in. What do you think it is? This is you Alaska. Can't whisper in their ear for a certain it's animal. It's got to be a bear or a sheep. Moose. Really? It is illegal to whisper in someone's ear while they are moose hunting in Alaska. <laughs> Where did you find this little <laughs> fact? So you may be happy to know. Well, maybe you're not happy to know, but I am getting ready to start trivia with the Truth and Legend podcast. And so I have been working up oh, some boy. of my trivia stuff. So I'm getting these out there for maybe a future episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you do that, though, you've got to do the the research oh. as to why that, so, is, yeah, that just does not make sense. <laughs> what are you trying to like sneak up, pull one over on the moose or pull one over on the guide or why no, did no, they, no. why okay. is that even a thing? It's because moose are scary and it's for the safety of the hunters is what they say. And so because guns are involved, they don't want you shooting someone else because they're scared by you whispering in their ear. I don't know. I didn't make the law. Hmm. I mean, you both live up there, so. Yeah. I won't whisper okay. at you while you're shooting with a camera. I want <laughs> yes. you to be irresponsible and miss your shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I got another one. We're sticking uh, on the weapons front, okay? Okay. A person may only carry a blank if they have the appropriate license. I would say a archery. It's probably going to be... I don't even know. Slingshot. A slingshot. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Yep. So it says uh, it is unlawful for any person other than a law enforcement officer to carry concealed about his person in any manner a revolver, pistol, or firearm, or knife other than an ordinary pocket knife, a dirk, a dagger slingshot metal knuckles or an instrument by use of which could injury could be inflicted upon the person so pretty oh, much boy. if you can hurt someone with it you can't carry it concealed so i'm yeah. guessing a bat probably falls under that but like slingshot is defined within that okay last one <laughs> it is illegal to push a blank out of a moving airplane is you you cut out or you oh. said something wrong it's illegal, illegal to, to do what it is illegal to push a blank out of a moving airplane. Refrigerator. <laughs> I pick a case of Pepsi. <laughs> uh, we know a how moose. valuable that is. <laughs> a moose. Yeah. It is illegal to push a moose out of a moving airplane. Live or dead. You can't airdrop food or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but then yeah. that brings the question, though. Is it illegal to push a moose out of a... Non-moving non airplane? airplane? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the runway? Uh, huh. Yeah. Gonna get some lawyers involved in the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> trivia. <laughs> That's funny. 
Okay. That's all I got. I love all those old rules. I had to lighten it up for you after that whole deep thing. (laughs) But that wasn't too deep. I mean, it was just, I think it's good to think about, and it just puts it in perspective is all. Yeah. I just don't want everyone going out and quitting their job and blaming it on truth and legend, then I don't have a burger to eat. Yeah. (laughs) I hope they don't go that quick. It took me three, four years of planning to get to the point where I did. Right. So, yeah. It was in the making for sure. And it's not easy. It's super hard. So you just have to have that mindset Mm -hmm. for it. I can remember doing just whatever odd job that I could do. It's either graphics or photos or video or anything that pertained to this little world. I didn't care. I would do it. Mm -hmm. Photographing my first wedding this year. Yeah. That's something I haven't done. So I had one other thing because we're getting, we're already at hour 15. Right. Um, we still haven't filled up the bear trip. Oh, yeah. So if you have any interest at all in doing a really cool bear trip, I have another Loose Ends episode that I'm working on. And if you all have watched the channel, you've seen the bear thing that we did on the trip that we did last year. Brandon edited the whole thing. So you get a snapshot into what it's like. Mm-hmm. But I took all the footage that he didn't use. Oh, there's a lot of that. And made another little loose ends episode out of it. It's a little bit disjointed, but we talk. I show just a little bit more footage, which is kind of cool. But if you want any kind of opportunity to get super intimate shots of these bears and be with bears and understand bears and just hang out and watch bears, it is a pretty awesome trip to be on. So if you have any desire at all, just look on our web page, web page, um, what do we call it? Photo tours or photo? Photo tours, yeah. We'll put a link in the description. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. It's a little on the spendy side, but that's because we're using the boat to get out to these remote spots. But if you have the money and the time, highly recommend it. Like and that. it'll be, what, second, first week in September? I think, I think it's the 4th through the 11th or something like that. September 4th through the 11th. Yeah. So you would arrive in Homer on September 4th, depart Homer, high tide after, what is that, midnight? Something like that on the 5th? Whatever the tides are, yeah. And then you're back in Homer on the 11th. So I can tell you I'm already missing the moose stuff, man. Do going through all this moose man stuff? Yeah, I was going to ask you guys if you had any. I've been going through footage too and like – Looking forward to summer, do you have one thing that you're like, all right, I can't wait to get back out and do that? Is that moose for you? I know it's tough. You know, it kind of is for me because I just am so – I'm, I hope you all like this documentary we're working on because I'm, it's infectious to watch Moose Man and see how infatuated with moose they are. Both Libby and Rick are just so infatuated with moose. It's – for me, it's in fact, I get that excited now. I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing that bull. And, you know, they've actually been documenting this particular bull or several bulls for several years. And so I do kind of miss that. But I also want to do a bunch of other stuff. Like yeah, last yeah. year, I didn't go to any high alpine stuff, mm-hmm. partly because yeah. it's a lot of work, but <laughs> partly because I just didn't have time. So I think getting up in the high country and doing pikas or marmots yeah. or goats or sheep, I would love to go do some sheep. I saw a lot of people doing really good sheep stuff this year with the doll sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, we're doing it because 
my goal. I got Rocky yeah, Mountain yeah, Bighorns yeah, yeah, yeah. checked. Yep. I spent, I've probably spent six hours with them this past week. So. Oh, cool. It's what about you, Eric? Are you, what are you, Jones? Well, for? I just starting to plan. I mean, I know it's only February, but Alaska, you feel like you have to cram so much in and then realizing like I could kind of spend as much time as I want in a lot of these places where I used to be limited to weekends, but <clears throat> I started looking through and I was putting together loose ends and a uh, shorebird trip that I did last mm. spring. Mm. And man, I'm kind of getting excited to get back out for the shorebirds. That's kind of the first big thing. Waterfowl show up before the shorebirds do. So like middle of March, we'll start getting stuff, but or I'm sorry, April, but by the end of April into May, the shorebirds get here and then like, all the other stuff. I think that's got me going right now. <laughs> so I've been trying to go through and look at the footage. The trip I did last year was I got in there a day late because of work and the weather was horrible. So mm-hmm. I did, I mean, this, I'm looking through this and trying to piece together something because I think people would really like to see it, but I did not cover it as well as I maybe could have. <laughs> But it's still fine. I think we've talked a little bit about like the camera traps of the shorebirds and GoPro stuff. And I found some clips I didn't realize that I had had. So it's definitely cool. worth putting it out there so you guys could see. But this year, I think I'm going to step up the game a little bit more and try and do even more with it. So, yeah, the shorebirds have got me, got my wheels turning in preparation. I just ordered, I was telling Brandon earlier, um, I was staring outside and there were birds flying around, but the snow was so hard and like swirling and everything. And I thought, oh, I don't really want to take my camera out there. And then I was remembering how heavy the rain was. Um, cause you're right on the coast, like the copper river Delta, you know, just pours rain. And I like, I'm going to have to get good rain protection. So I just ordered one of the port brace rain covers and trying to get that situated so that I'm ready for heavy rains and shooting in the weather. I know it's not always ideal, but those conditions, if you're trying to tell that story, those tiny little birds living out there in insanely rough weather. So I can show you the weather and then we'll, we'll get the birds hopefully this year in it. But uh, yeah, that's got me thinking. Uh, I would love to do that too. Now that you say it, because the, after seeing your footage and seeing that the access and then the opportunity, I mean, and last year you didn't even get to do what you really, I couldn't to get do, to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was going out remote, remote mm-hmm. and camping. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. But it's a timing thing and it's a weather thing. And yeah. The other thing I was I'd already like looking at the, the tides. Road. Yeah. That, yeah. Cool. Do you want you, you're already looking at the tides for the dates <laughs> that you can actually go. Yep. Yeah. Well, for the whole week, like I'll probably end up there for two weeks at least is my thoughts, most likely. Well, I think anything you do in Alaska is going to require two weeks. And yeah. now that you have the time, you might as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Because yep. if you were going to do muskox, it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do caribou on the Hall Road, two weeks. The minimum, yeah. If you're going to do shorebirds down where you go, two weeks. Yep. You did two weeks for eagles. Yep. Yeah, and you feel if like you're trying even to build a story. barely start to break. Yeah just starting to figure it out at the end of two weeks. So that's the fun part. I love, there's nothing more I love than getting there. Like end of April, there's no shorebirds or just a couple are showing up. You get the ducks are moving in and then maybe like a Rufus hummingbird shows up like, Oh man, you can feel that. Like 
you feel the change of the seasons in those two weeks. And I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy out of whether it's birding or nature photography and being connected to the seasons. Like I feel more attached to the day to day by getting to see what's happening every day. And I, you know, looking back at like Moose Man and his infatuation with the moose and like, what does he really enjoy? I've been trying to kind of decipher that too, of figuring out, you know, what is it that I actually appreciate about the animals and nature? And I think it's just like, he kind of talks about it. Like you expect like their behavior, their lives are so simple. It's very complex. We don't understand everything that's going on in there, but you can almost count on them to be reliable and you appreciate everything that they go through and, and do those things day to day. It's pretty miraculous. And then I just don't want to miss it because every year I look back at my footage from these places and it's less and less birds. And it's like, uh, I just, one day they may not be there, not nearly in the same numbers and also trying to get out and appreciate them while they're still around and easy to access. That's the other thing too, is I've spent a lot of time with shorebirds. So I feel like if I'm going to put a lot of time in on a subject, might as well be something that I understand the best so that when I jump in on it, you know, I'm not starting fresh and green and missing out on a week or two of shooting, just trying to figure it all out. Birds are huge, especially in Alaska, right? Cause there's mm-hmm. so much yeah. uh, diversity, you know, from the loons to the shorebirds, to the Tweety birds, to the yeah. uh, waterfowl, to yeah. you could, you could spend a lifetime just doing that. For sure. Cool. We'll have some fun plans figured out for 2024. Some fun subjects to shoot and hopefully some I hope good so. behind the scenes stories along the way. Once we're all back together and shooting in the field more. I mean, if you want to come down on Sunday, there's ice drifting on the lakes down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now they put bolts in their tires, so you yeah. could die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll add some adventure. Is that it? Is that all we have? I can't I think, think of so. anything else. Mm-mm. I think we're good. Oh, we are putting, I don't know, should we even put this out there? We're All of our podcasts now are on oh, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Oh, shoot. Audio. Audio versions are on Apple Podcasts. Then we figured out how to put our videos on Spotify. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know if it's worth it or not. I mean, it's going to d- spread out all of our, you know, you have the people that just do Spotify, but, and I've never consumed stuff on Spotify, so I don't even know how it works, but you can either put up audio or video and we had the audio up there cause it just pulls it from the RSS feed, but I have to go in and manually upload the video and it replaces the audio file. So, mm-hmm. um, then you get to watch video hmm. on Spotify, which I guess is cool. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know they opened that up to outside, so that's cool. Yeah, it sounds like it was fairly recent. Yeah. I don't know. It was just fact, Rogan's but... podcast for a long time. When he first yeah. went on there, they had to add video for his sake, and then that's cool. Well, we put them all up. up there. So I think the first two I didn't, they're still just audio, but every other one is the video version on Spotify. Guys, oh, cool. I'm looking at Spotify podcasts. We're talking big numbers now, guys. <laughs> what do we have, like 70,000? We got five followers right all on. time. Right on. Got six listeners. 
Right on. So we got a person that left is what that tells me. <laughs> <laughs> they saw that first video with my fat face on there. They're like, nope. <laughs> See ya. Uh, no, that's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. You know, I, I talk about it all the time that I consume so much YouTube stuff, but the vibe now on YouTube, everybody's like, do a podcast. Everybody's starting podcasts. The My Software Lands guy does a podcast. This other guy that this Canadian guy that I follow that canoes all kinds of rivers in the Yukon, he mm-hmm. just started a podcast. So they're all kind of moving in that direction. And, you know, we just did it because that was one of the things that I'm comfortable with producing, you know, at least the technical part of it. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll all turn into something. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's a learning curve to be completely frank, like the whole back office to just running. There's just so much that you just don't appreciate from a YouTube perspective in that it's all like turning on a light, right? Like you turn on the light, the light turns on. You're like, Oh, that was cool. But you don't think about all the power generation, all the people that work behind that. YouTube's a lot in the same regard. Like you think, I'm going to go out, I'm going to film a video, I'm going to upload a video, and it's going to work. No, it's not. Because <laughs> you're going to have to go out and film the video, and then you're going to got to edit the video, and you're going to realize, I missed some things. And so then you're either going to go reshoot it if you can, or you're just going to figure out how to cover it if you don't. Or maybe it doesn't work, and you have to create a loose ends. <laughs> and then you get it up there, and you put it out there, and no one sees it. <laughs> or you have a setting that's wrong. Like there's a setting. We had a question about, hey, can you turn on this thing? And I I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like a constant learning process of like, I just don't know what I'm doing ever in life is what it comes down to. It feels <laughs> like anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, there's a lot behind it that you just don't add sense and then you got to verify Google and I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole deal. Beautiful disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, we got a fun guest next week, right? So we'll have them on. And- yeah. So we're going to be talking with a producer director that I worked with up in the Arctic and um, in the winter shoot that I did. And then she has also worked with Eric and I on another shoot we did in Montana. Mm-hmm. So, and she's big into wildlife and she's big into birds. So um, it should be really fun to have a conversation with her. And we can talk about the state of the industry because she's dialed into that too, which I kind of alluded to earlier. But um, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's (laughs) short-term gloom for a little bit. But there's some things happening, and it's just fun. to. I thought it would be fun to talk to her from her perspective as far as um, producer-director role. Yeah. This has been... The Truth and Legend podcast, where great stories are on the horizon. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs>